Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to GCSE English Revision Pod. We are sitting here recording just after Language Paper One has happened. Yeah, so, it sounded like a pretty interesting paper. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of happy, smiling faces coming out. Marketplaces, all that jazz. A bit about the market. Yeah, it sounded good. So. If you are listening today, brilliant. We are now you've done with language paper one. Our next plan is to take you through language paper two. So, as we did before, there's going to be quite short episodes, probably only 10 or 15 minutes, taking you through how to do each of the main questions on language paper two. But as before, it is absolutely imperative that you download the revision pack, Mm -hmm. which will be linked in the bio of the episode. If you're listening on Spotify, you might have to copy and paste it into a browser. Unfortunately, you can't just click on it. But you know what? I was on a I was on a podcast on Spotify the other day, and they did have links you could click on in there. So there obviously is a way of doing it. Well, will, some people email try, me struggling. I will try again. I will try um, again and see if I we can do our that. best to answer emails. But yeah. when thousands of people, so they can't get a link, just it works for me. Yeah. But anyway, we are so as Mr. Forster has said, download the whole pack. We're not going to be working with loads of different handouts. There is one revision pack. It's called Mr. Forster's English Language Paper Two Pack. I mean, very <laughs> boring name to be honest, but it's it, got a very got, cute picture of a kitten. Does on the, the front, job? It's got a kitten I, on the I front. I call it to the, it's the kitten pack. Yeah, all right, the kitten pack. So, so download yeah. that now, and then yeah. you will be able to follow along with us. Welcome back. So, um, very quick word about Language Paper 2. We'll start each episode with a quick overview, of course. It is 1 hour 45 minutes. It has five questions. And just like Language Paper 1, it is uh, four questions on reading and one question on writing. Yes. The most important thing is getting your timings right. Um, And for that reason, some people prefer to start at the end. Some people prefer to start at the beginning. Some people start with question five, some with question one. That's kind of up to you. The best thing to do is to practice. But what we're going to focus on today is question two. Yep. Um, and we're going to focus on the skills needed to for success. So the first thing I'd like to point your attention to is the title of the paper for AQA. It's called Writer's Viewpoints and Perspectives. Mm-hmm. So these will be two non-fiction texts that you have to read. Yep. So that means that they're, of course, real. These are not made-up stories. No. And one of them will be written in the 19th century, a Victorian text. Yep. Therefore, the language will be more challenging. So this paper is more difficult than paper one. Mm-hmm. And the title, though, gives us a clue as to what the, right, the examiners are looking for. They're looking for what are the two writers... What are their viewpoints on mm. the theme or idea that both texts centre on? Absolutely. What is it that the writer is trying to say about these things? Much more in language paper one that you've just finished, probably. It's about the writer's use of language to sort of entertain. And to create characters and Absolutely. stories. This is all about what's their opinion, what's their argument? Yeah. What are they trying to teach us, uh, argue, explain about um, 
these non-fiction these non-fiction texts so um question two therefore it's only worth eight marks so i would spend about 10 to 15 minutes on it depending probably including your um you know a bit of rereading over it Mm -hmm. you've got to have read both texts already of course because this is a comparative question yeah and i would spend a little bit longer on the reading on this paper because you've got two long sources to read and having we've both marked this paper for AQA, lots of students just misread them. Yeah, absolutely. You will do much better overall. I marked this paper last year. I know you marked it two years ago. Um, you will do much better if you have approached every single one of these questions with a deep understanding of the two texts. It is worth getting that more uh, that sort of more in depth understanding of what the writer is arguing before you take on the questions and in this particular paper. And we'll talk you through an example in this pack in a minute. So, in this, the way this episode is going to work, we're going to tell you the skills, we're going to look at a question, we're going to take you through a model answer, then set you up with some ideas for you to have a go at your own one. And Sounds there's good. three papers in this pack that you can have a work through. And um, if, if you want more, there are plenty more on, the, on AQA's website. Um, and we can always, we, if, if there's a popular demand, we can always do an episode with some extra extra papers for you. Absolutely. So, um, let's start then. When you're reading the text, there is a box at the top which always explains exactly, it summarises what the text is about. Why is that a useful thing, Mr Gelly? Uh, well, it does a lot of the work for you, doesn't it? It tells you why it's saying what it's saying. And, um, sorry, that's not what I mean. It gives you a clear overview of what this text is exploring. You are therefore not needing to go through and infer for yourself what the text is all about. It is going to give you that overview of what its general argument is. Yeah, and I think the great example that I would like to give you is two years ago when I marked it, there was a text all about a mother who um, was missing her son because he's grown up. Yeah. I had lots of, it told you that in the summary. And I had lots of students saying that he was kidnapped. Right. And it said in the summary, this is, a story, this is, a, this is a, an article about a woman being upset about her son growing up. So you've got to read that at the top. Yeah. So let's get on to question two, the key skills. The, t- the, the, the key skill for this question is summarising differences between the texts mm-hmm. and making inferences. Now, this is a cruel question because nowhere in the question does it use the word inference. And yet this is the key skill that we're taught on the exam board training to look out for. This yeah. is what decides which band you get into. Absolutely. So should we start with what inference is? Yep. What is inference? Inference is when you are essentially reading between the lines. You are picking up the messages from the text which are there, but are not said to you explicitly. So you walk into a classroom, I'm crying, what can you infer? Um, That rugby's been cancelled, there's going to be no more rugby. Yeah, what else could you infer? Uh, That you're sad. Yeah. That something bad has happened. Well, I might have been chopping onions. That the truth your wife is, has finally seen the light. <laughs> <laughs> um, the truth is, an inference is based on evidence in the text. Yeah. So we'll give you some examples in a moment. But you must be using phrases. So if you turn in your kitten pack to page three, um, I've put some little phrases that can help you show the examiner your inferences. Things like from this we can infer. Mm-hmm. There is the suggestion here that the writer implies that. This carries the suggestion that yeah. all of these phrases can telegraph to the examiner that you're inferring. Yeah, and okay. you'll remind yourself as well if yeah. you've got that phrase sort of ready to go. You're reminding yourself that the key skill you're looking for is that inference. So it's still on page three, um, in the middle of the page. How do I structure a question two? Well, I've given you in that box a little bit of a four-step plan. It says A, B, C, and D for how you could structure a paragraph. Yeah. And so I would start with a comparative topic sentence that picks out, that answers the question. I say ATFQ, which mm. means answer the full question if your parents are listening. or maybe Answer the full question. Maybe a stronger adjective mm. if your parents aren't listening. Mm. Um, uh, 
a comparative topic sentence which picks out the overall difference and answers the question. So if the question's on what are their different opinions about sports, you've got to focus on that. If the question's on what their opinions about the weather, you've got to focus on that. Mm-hmm. Then what I would do is I'd pick out um, in, from source A some quotations and make some inferences based on those quotations yep. that backs up that, that point I made in my topic sentence. Then I'd have a connective, by contrast. However, this is, of course, markedly different from mm-hmm. a little phrase like that, and I've listed some of these in your pack. And then I'd make a point about source B, saying, using quotations, making inferences about those quotations, and saying, how are these different from source A? How are these opinions different from source A? Yeah. What Are they slightly different? Are they very different? Because actually one of the feedback from the exam board was the higher band students didn't just say that they were different. They said, to what extent were they different? Were they very, very different? Were they only marginally different? Were they actually quite similar? Yeah. And, and were those differences actually based on a similarity to begin yep. with? So something they both perhaps did, but then did in a different yep. way or explored in a different way. This will way. come more clear when we look at an example in a moment. Yep. But the last thing I would say is actually one thing that we've both noticed, Mark, in this paper, is that your vocabulary makes a real difference. Huge difference. Because often students saying the same things between level three and level four, mm. between that's the difference between grade sixes and grade seven, eights and nines, often they would make the same point, but the grade four, the level four students would make it in more sophisticated yep. um using more sophisticated words. This is not terminology so much. This is just having a broad vocabulary. So all these words you've been learning from our literature podcasts, Mm. don't be afraid to still use them. An atavistic description of a man, or, you know, uh, these are things that that we can still use. So um, the question um, that we're going to look at now, I'd like you to turn in your packs, please, to page nine. All right. I'd like you then to read from page nine, source A and source B, But before you read that, let's look quickly at the question, which is on page 11. The question says, you need to refer to source A and source B for this question. Both sources give details about the places where the events occur. Use details from both sources to write a summary of the differences between Aberfan and London. Great. So So go and read those now. Before you do... Mr. Galley, just let's let's let's, let's um, point out what the students often do wrong. Mm -hmm. What's the differences? But what what are the differences between Mr. Galley? Uh, Aberfan and London. Is it between the two natural disasters described? No. No, it's just between the cities. So, mm. first error that people make is they just compare the sources. They forget to ATFQ. Right. So, what we'd like to do now, read source A and source B. As you read, underline quotations where you can infer something about Aberfan or about London. Because these are about cities, I'm straight away thinking, are they big, are they small, are they busy, mm. are they dirty, are they clean? What kind of differences can you see? But before you even read the text, remember, read the box at the top of the text that summarises what is it about. Yeah. So read the box at the top of the text, highlight quotations about Aberfan in source A and about London in source B, decide what inference you're going to make, and then switch back on the podcast. Pause now. Hello. Hello. I hope you've read source A and source B, or what we're about to say is not really going to make much sense. (laughs) If you haven't, listen now. Yes. You done it? You better... I think they have. I think they have. I get the feeling that it's now been done, even though this is in the future. I've in got a strong future. sense that this will have been done by this point. So, you will have read them now, and you'll see that Source A is all about a mining disaster. Uh, sorry, a, well, a disaster in a, in a mining village in Wales in 1966, mm-hmm. where a landslide um, killed lots of local children at, at a school. So, Aberfan is a very remote and small mining village in Wales. So, we're looking for quotations about that mining village. Mm-hmm. In source B, it's all about a minor earthquake that didn't hurt anyone, that was barely felt in London, mm-hmm. um, published in 1863, this article. And so, what you'll want to look at is how is London different from Aberfan? Right. 
This is not from your own knowledge of London, so please don't say, I live in London and there's the London Eye. We are only looking for details that we can find in the source. Yes. So some things you might have picked out. Um, Some of the most obvious differences are, of course, the sizes of the two places. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, Aberfan is a small village tucked away in a Welsh valley. London is a colossal city mm-hmm. um, uh, th- from these descriptions. Now, straight away, there's a chance to infer there, isn't there? Because from the writers, the way the writer has described it as tucked away, I know you're not doing language analysis now, yeah. but you can infer straight away that it's that it's hidden, that it's not in the public eye. It's not like London and it's the, everybody knows about it. It is actually rather a rather a small hidden away place and we could also infer therefore that had it not been for this disaster it would be a place perhaps that people would never have heard of right that is a classic example of inference so when we're talking about getting yourselves six seven eight marks that would be the kind of inference that we're talking about that if this disaster had hadn't happened Aberfan, unlike london would perhaps not be famous right not have been heard of it doesn't say that anywhere in the text but there is a clear inference to be made based on the information given because likewise london is described as colossal so it implies it's huge it's filled with activity yeah um and we might think that a place like that would be safe from natural disasters Mm -hmm. we've also got the perhaps a similarity and a difference here that actually whilst both have rivers running through them those rivers are quite different yeah aberfan is as black as the sticks so from this we can infer that um, that it's being polluted by the coal. Right. Um, the Styx being, of course, the river that runs through the land of the dead in Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, whilst London it is muddy and dull, but this is not so much from from coal or anything. It's simply from the warehouses along its length. So um, the rivers they're, they're both polluted, but they're, but they they are very different. Mm. We've got Aberfan seems harsher living conditions than London. Yeah. So we've got the description of the men working in darkness, not knowing the meaning of their own labour. Yeah. Um, so, likewise, the the houses are of um, uh, so, um, but the houses in the Welsh mining town describe as uniform ugliness in contrast to the well built London houses. So we've got lots of details we can pick out. Yeah. But let's look at a bit of a model answer on page three. So there is there is a full model answer to this on page thirteen, which we don't really want you to read now. There's also a mark scheme on page thirteen that it's well worth looking at because right. the indicative content for each mu- each level talks you through what you have to do to the, get the next exactly level. Exactly. What it's looking for to uh, to drive you. But if we up. go back to page three, let's quickly follow the structure that we outlined at the beginning of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Comparative topic sentence, detailed point about source A with a quotation and inference a connective, a detailed point about source B with a quotation and an inference and overall differences. And let's plug them into into our kind of, um, into our little formula. Yeah. So let's start with our topic sentence. Perhaps the most obvious difference um, between London and Aberfan are their, res- are their respective sizes and locations. So straight away you're addressing the question, what's the differences between London and Aberfan? So I'm starting off with this difference where it's to do with where they are and it's to do with how big they are. Once we've done that, we then want to move into the inference, don't we? Yeah. So let's do the inference from Source A. The writer in Source A emphasises how Aberfan is a small village that few people have heard of. Combined with the idea of it being tucked away mm-hmm. in a Welsh valley, there is thus the clear suggestion that it's almost hidden from view and would have been similarly forgotten in history had it not been for the tragedy. Indeed, we can also infer from the description of the railway tracks as decaying and the canal as disused that, like the British mining industry in general in the 1960s, the place is in decline. Good. So you've taken your key information, few people have heard of, tucked away, and from that we've inferred that it's not 
uh, well-known place. It was made famous by a tragedy rather than it being a nice place to visit or anything like that. And actually, it was a place that was sort of breaking down and quite a miserable place yeah. for many reasons. And one thing to note there is, again, it's saying a lot about a little. It's yeah. having a detailed inference. Don't say, we can infer that it's not nice. No. Tell me a bit more detail about this. That's where the marks are. And that's another place that students go wrong, actually, from having marked this paper, is they stop when they should just be getting going. They make that first point about the inference, but they don't develop it. They don't say how they can they can make that inference In fact, lead on to other ideas. the best students often make more than one inference from the same piece. Yeah. You can infer this, but you can also infer this. Then you're really... Then you're, you're really, really hitting doing it. Doing the business. So now we have a connective, by contrast. Mm-hmm. And then we follow with a detailed point about source B, quotations, inferences, and comparisons. Yep. By contrast, in source B, London is described as a colossal city, and the depiction of it ceaselessly streaming and smoking, with its implication that the city is a hub of activity and industry, stands in stark contrast with the stasis... That's an interesting word that means we learnt this from storm on the island. Mm-hmm. Stasis means nothing's happening yeah. and general decay of Aberfan. This is mirrored in how the writer emphasises the noises, shocks and tremors are so part of everyday life in the capital that Londoners are always startled to find it calm and quiet. This seems markedly, so very different, mm-hmm. markedly different from Aberfan, which is made up of little more than terraced houses and a chapel and pub. A description which clearly implies... The valley in which it is situated is quiet and normally quite peaceful. Good. So there you go. You've done pretty much everything you need to do there. You've got your clear comparison. You've got your information and inferences from each source. And at the end, you've ended on another nice point of inference. So before you have a go at one yourself, I'd like you to look at that one on page three in our pack and Mm. really, really think, am I writing in that much detail? And if you're not, you're not going to be accessing level four. Okay. So... Let's, I mean, we'll leave you, before we finish this episode, let's leave you with one for you to have a go at. Yeah. So if you now turn in your source to page 21, 22 and 23, the question on 23, question 2 goes like this. The things to see and do at Glastonbury Festival and Greenwich Fair are different. Use details from both sources to write a summary of the differences. What we'd like you to do now is read those two sources, start by reading the summaries of them at the top, Mm -hmm. read them through as you read them, underline quotations that tell us about what you can see and do at Glastonbury and what you can see and do, ATFQ, at Greenwich Fair. And then, following that structure that we outlined on page three of the pack, write your own example. Absolutely. That will give you some really good practice for Thursday. Have a go using everything we've told you today. Have a go at that other one and see how you get on. And in the pack, for every mark scheme, every, every um, paper we include, we've included model answers and a mark scheme. So once you've done that, you can mark your own work, look at it against the different levels, look at the model answer and work out, is it similar? My final piece of advice is this. Do not plan to write a certain number of paragraphs. No. Plan to fill the time. One detailed, brilliant paragraph would be much better than three or four rubbish ones. Absolutely, And yes. I would simply look at the clock and think, I've got 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. When I've spent 10 to 15 minutes writing, regardless of how much I've written, I move on. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, we are going to release another podcast straight after this one where we look at You lucky three. devils. Exactly, what a day for everyone. And we'll do more tomorrow. Yeah, when we will tackle question four and question five, right? Exciting. So as so always, exciting. follow us on Twitter at GRevisionPod and email us at... EnglishRevisionPod at gmail.com And we will see you very soon. <laughs>